Welcome to the next edition of Light Shed Live. We're really excited. Uh, on behalf of Brandon Ross and Walt Pysik, my partners, we're excited to have Brian Rolap, who is Chief Media and Chief Business Officer of the NFL. He's had a busy, Brian, I guess it's now been a busy nine months trying to get this done. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a long time coming because of the pandemic. Yeah, it's been a while. I think we, I think we got going in earnest on these in the summer, so June-ish, July-ish, so it was, it's, and it's pretty much been nonstop since then, so it's been busy. We um, we have a ton of subjects to talk about. I'm going to remind everyone right now. There's a Q&A box on the Zoom. Enter your questions. We'll try to get through as many as we can with Brian. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Walt to get started, but please throw your questions in early so we can organize them and do them topic by topic. But Walt, why don't you kick us off? Cool. Thanks. I mean, given the announcement that was made um, and, and your new partners, uh, it reminded us all on our team about the meetings that we had. I can't remember how many years ago. It feels like an eternity ago, maybe five years ago, um, where we asked about like when football could be handled as a streaming as opposed to broadcast. And I think at the time, you had made, mentioned that there might have been some hesitation about whether the internet um, or even the streaming partners could handle um, the type of traffic, the simultaneous streams, um, you know, to to do something like you did today. So maybe you can kind of talk through how you how that thought process evolved and like was there a turning point of when you said, okay, yes, now now it works and now we can expand. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Well, I mean, I think our our decision to take a package fully to digital wasn't taken lightly. We've been thinking about this for some time and we've talked about it over the years. And we've we've dipped our toe in the water for, I think the last five years, this really started when we did, if you guys remember a game on Yahoo in 2015, it was yep. a Buffalo Jacksonville game from London. And that was really the first time. And ever since then, we've done something every year to, 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 to sort of prepare for this. And it I was think Buffalo Jacksonville though was Buffalo. Well, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was in terms like, of the simultaneous streams. That's right. But that was, by the way, <laughs> that was by the way, deliberate, right? It was, yeah, of course. It, and um, it was it was a Buffalo of 2015, not the Buffalo of 2020. But right. um, so true. any any event, uh, it, you know, so we started getting comfortable with the distribution. I think over time and spending time with potential partners, spending time with people who know a lot more about tech than I do, we started to to see that this type of simultaneous usage could be done. And if we put the right package, right, you still, you know, we're doing Thursday night football, which is a great package. Number two show on television. It is not Sunday night. It is not the 425 game, which which gets higher viewership, but it's a sizable package. I think Amazon and their infrastructure and their ability and willingness to invest to, to make it happen made a difference. And I've always said you need three things to distribute an NFL game. You need distribution. You need to be able to produce it and you need to be able to sell advertising against it. And the distribution and the selling part of it from Amazon, we got real comfortable with and, and not only selling it because they've been doing it with some of our TriCast games and, and they're building a large advertising business, but some of their ability to take targeting and commerce as part of the advertising became pretty exciting. So that really leaves production and they have two solid years to get that going. And before we get into this, and I have every confidence that they'll, they'll be able to do it. Did you have outside consultants or do they have to prove this to you? Cause I, I just think back even to like what Rick Cordella was telling us in terms of running the Olympics from whatever year that was, where they had to like call um, who's that Boston tech company. And it's like for extra 
capacity um, to be able to handle the speeds? Like, is there any, like, how did that criteria, was there a minimum technical requirements or did this like three years ago, you're like, all right, it's fine. We're just going to wait till we get to this point and then make sure that they can do all these extra production things that you're talking about. Yeah. Look, I mean, we talked to a lot of people, right. And, and if I always said the fundamental rule in technology is whatever can be done, will be done. And, you know, look, I would be lying if I said, you know, this isn't without some level of risk, but knowing the partner we've selected, knowing what they've done historically, Amazon does not do things halfway. And when they came and talked to us about how they scale this up, how they were thinking about, about the CapEx they're going to spend, um, we had long conversations about it and, and we felt we felt pretty good about it. And so I, the great thing about us and our partners, any of them, is we're aligned, right? Amazon is not going to be in a position where, where they're going to do anything unless they can do it well. And we're, we're confident that they're in that spot now. Got it. So... Um- Obviously, the question that sort of plays on what Walt is asking about is sort of this reach question. And, you know, I remember one of the things I think you had me at sort of press day. Uh, This is now probably two or three years ago uh, where I was sort of have we were having a fun debate on on media day, I guess, for the NFL. And one of the comments you had made about the, the challenges facing digital was that the that the casual fan wouldn't be there, that, you know, people are just kind of sitting on TV. They're not sitting on an Amazon, you know, or these platforms every single day. Is that just sort of the the problem with digital? Or do you think Amazon's got a plan for how they solve for getting the awareness up for not just the, the hardcore fan who watches every Thursday night game, but for that person who used to flip through the dial and land on it? I think I think it's it's both of those, Rich, where um, taking the latter one first, Amazon has a plan. Uh, it's a good one about how to drive awareness all through these discussions. There were conversations about not only driving awareness, but also changing behavior. So people know that live sports are there. Um, They've been doing this with the premier league, right. And they've been doing this in the home market of the premier league. And so they have, you know, we talked a lot about how that worked in the UK, which became a great test bed for how we might see things here. And so, you know, they they have a plan and a platform that can drive consumption and awareness. We're convinced of that. Um, but also, second, it, just in a few years, the consumption landscape has changed. And so what they've done with Prime Video, whether the investment in original content, what they've done in distribution um, is a new day than just what it was maybe 24 months ago. And so, though, and so that has created a trend line that we see over the next handful of years that's going to continue to go up in the right as far as awareness and consumption. And I think Amazon, you'd have to talk to them, but I think they understand that if you have a platform that's trying to change behavior, investing in the NFL is a really good way of doing it because uh, those fans will work just a little bit harder to find the games. We don't want to make them work too hard, but if there's a little bit of extra effort to find the game, we've seen throughout history that they'll, that they'll do it. Um, And look, Amazon is not uh, a small platform. I mean, you're on it for some shape or form, um, you know, and if it's not to watch, um, you know, Manchester on the sea, it's to buy toothpaste. So you're, you're on there, you're interacting with that brand in some shape or form. And so then pulling those together and those touch points together, I think gave us a lot of confidence. Talk a little about the unique opportunities that working with Amazon and an interactive platform uh, affords you and some of the experimentation that could be done uh, using IP delivery? 
Well, I think it, and I think it's just not Amazon. I think it comes with all of our partners who in these, in these deals, we've expanded the, the ability for them to take the games and the content digitally. And they all have sort of different strategies and different ways of doing that, but they're all after the same thing. I think it, it, there's two ways to look at it. The first is what the fan or consumer experience is going to be. Those platforms should afford a lot more interactivity um, to go deeper into the game. It'll allow more uh, consumption of the game itself. Um, it'll allow for things after the game, whether it's highlights or other things. I think there's interactive things that can be done. Now, what those will be, I think we're going to figure that out together. I, and I think it's very early in that. We've all been in this industry long enough to know that when we were in the television world, it was interactive television was going to be the next great thing and it always will be, right? But but I think- I remember Wink with the blinking dot on the TV. Yeah. And I think the I, I think the I, I think that ground hasn't been fully, uh, uh, you know, planted and harvested. And I think um, there's a lot of incentive for our partners to do that. So I do think they'll nobody really just wants to put television on the internet. There's going to be some added features. Now we'll figure that what that is. And then the second thing which I'm excited about is what you can do in advertising. I have always felt that when we move more and more of this live event programming to television, that there's an opportunity to merge the benefits of mass consumption and reach with interactivity and targeting. And if you could take the best of television, which is live events and sports, and combine that with the best of what the internet has to offer from a monetization standpoint, which is targeting and commerce and other things, you know, that could be very exciting for people like us who have pretty valuable intellectual property. And so I think as that plays out, um, you'll you'll see new value added to advertisers at a time when we've actually in these deals have taken ad units out of the games. So there'll be fewer ad units, but but we think there'll be an increase in interactivity uh, as we move through this. What about personalization of of streams? You know, I think there there there's rights afforded to doing this deal. Um, to do that, you've seen we've done things on alternative audio. You've seen Amazon do things where the production's a little bit different on Twitch and what you can do around the game. Um, I, I think. Does this deal cover Twitch? By the way, Twitch is fully involved in this. It is. It is. Um, and I think the, I think there are, are are things by platform that can be customized. Um, and I think there is a, an opportunity to personalize. And I think there'll be a lot of experimentation on how to do that. I think throughout the years we found that most part and most people enjoy football on a television screen to be a lean back experience and the people who produce these games do an amazing job. But at the same time, we know 70% of all of our fans have a second screen open while they're watching and they're doing a million different things. And so there is interactivity already going on. How that merges on these new platforms, I think we'll, we'll figure out, but there's a lot of room in these deals to do that. Well, one of those second things that they're doing, um, second screen things they're doing is betting, which brings us to a good question from Jed Cornthal. Uh, Sorry if I mispronounce your name. Large amount of concurrent users on Amazon will come in this person's view with significant latency, which will hurt p- potential interactivity. How do you deal with that? Latency, obviously a big issue in terms of the live betting that's going on with a lot of these new apps. Yeah, I think I think latency in a non-betting environment you can do, deal with, right? Because it's all relative to what you're viewing, right? And so if you're interested in seeing a stat in real time and that's matched up with the video, you can you can manage that. Where it becomes different, uh, as you pointed out, is in a betting environment. 
and how we get a low latency experience. Um, and we're, that's something we're actively working on. That low, low, low latency distribution for a gambling environment are not part of these deals. We have held that back um, as that continues to develop. Um, Is it part of the dialogue that you had with Amazon prior to signing the deal that they would be focused on getting latency down to a low number? I think it was part of all the conversations. Um, you know, it was not a huge focus because we were focused more on the the distribution of what their platforms could provide. But um, us holding back the ability to low latency um, to deal with down the road, that will certainly be something we'll actively seek and do. Um, but And we're very interested in. We think low latency distribution of these games will be paramount for gambling, especially on a mobile device, where we think the majority of gambling will happen in the future. Just one more on the tech side, multi-audio. I've been asking you about this for years. I think Bill Simmons is now on my bandwagon. Um, you know, is that some a functionality we can expect now that we're moving to a, a digital uh, broadcast? Yeah. I think you'll see that. I think that's one of the interactive awesome. features that sort of Brandon mentioned is that um, how do you how do you do that? Whether it's the home or the way radio call, whether it's something different. You've seen Amazon experiment this a little bit with the Thursday night football tricast that they have now. Yep. So I think that's one of the areas that that we'll be exploring. So we've got a bunch of questions in here that sort of all tie to the same thing. I'm just going to read a couple of them. How did the NFL get comfortable with the declining reach of traditional TV to do 11-year deals, even with an opt-out? Um, you know, and and I and I guess tied to that, how important was the seven-year opt-out? Rapidly evolving landscape, and some of your partners are highly stretched balance sheets and are investing heavily in their own global streaming platforms. I guess it all boils down to EPL does three-year deals. You did a somewhere between seven and 11-year deal, depending on the opt-out. And that probably is what surprised everybody the most. Why was 11 the right number? Well, I, I think the seven-year opt-out was important, right? As, as you can imagine, we, we've consistently done deals historically, I'll get this wrong, but anywhere from probably six to eight in nine. So it's not, it's, you know, it's not, when you factor in the opt-out, it's not a crazy long or short term. I think for us, um, it comes down to a couple of things. All of our partners, all of the people who are interested in these games are trying to feel their way through a changing landscape. They know the trajectory of pay TV. They know the rise of digital and they all have their own individual ways of attacking that. Right. And, but they're all attacking it. And so our view was very much, um, we see the same trends, but television is not dead and it's not going to die. It's just going to be in a different form. By the end of this deal, depending what you believe, there could be as many as 50 to 60 million households who still subscribe to pay TV. And so we're always been based on reach and we looked at over the air, digital and pay TV, all as distribution channels we should be on. Um, and so the, it very quickly became, how do you find partners and structure a rights landscape that enables you to be in all three places? Um, and so, we, and again, each partner has a different way of doing that. Second, I think we fundamentally believe um, while shorter term sounds great and provides the ultimate flexibility, it has a consequence, which is it does not allow your partner to make the necessary investments to either deal with a changing landscape or to make your sport or your, tel or your, your broadcast as good as it can be. We want partners who are vested long-term to make the necessary investments. And so that was a huge part of our conversation. We believe with this deal term in this structure, we've gotten the best of both worlds. Now, 
Paramount Plus is going about it different than Tubi. That's going about it different from Peacock. That's going about it different from Amazon. And they'll have their own ways to attack it. But the important thing is they'll have the raw materials in order to, to do that. Okay, so two two things jump out in what you just said. First of all, the seven-year opt-out, just to be clear, everybody is subject to that, meaning it's it's not any specific players. It's everybody covered by this deal. There's a seven-year one-way opt-out from the NFL, and each one, I assume, is individual. It's not opt-out collectively. You could choose which partners to opt out after seven years. I, I Rich, I'm just careful about what I say and don't say because I want to obey, you know, be be. be cognizant of each part. Some have disclosure rules, some don't. I will just tell you this is we, we feel like we have the flexibility we need in these deals. Okay. And then two, um, you know, you and this group have talked many times about sometimes you grant people rights to do things. I'm thinking of sort of, you know, we'll go back to like mobile rights for these companies or online rights that for many years weren't utilized at all. And I, and so you, you've granted simulcast rights, I believe, to everybody. Uh, obviously, it doesn't really apply to Amazon, but all of the broadcaster partners in the linear bundle have gotten streaming rights of some form. And you mentioned each one's going to go about it differently. But I, I, I would think the NFL wants to ensure, have confidence that it actually gets utilized this time versus they just sit on them. Uh, you know, and I'm just thinking like Tubi doesn't really have a platform right now for, you know, subscription games. ESPN Plus in their release said we have the option, but clearly made it sound like it wasn't going to be something at the outset where you might see them. How do you make sure that you get the advantage of that reach? Because it obviously is all theoretical if they don't actually do the simulcasting. Yeah, look, I think, again, each partner is going to have their own way of going about it, right? And they'll have their own timing. This is a long-term deal which contemplates a bit slightly different models and different rollout periods. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that each partner had the right vision and the right raw materials to accomplish that. Will they accomplish that at the same pace? We'll, we'll find that out. But they all know what's important to us is reach. Um, yep. And I think they all have models that contemplate that. Um, so, you know, when ESPN will, you know, how they're managing their overall um, uh, uh streaming in relative to paid television, you'll have to talk to them about it, but I think they have a pretty good plan and what they've done over the last, for an example, for the last 18 months is shown us that they do have a pretty good plan. So that you have confidence that at some point this is going to evolve from where we are today. Yeah, it has to. I mean, these guys are, these guys aren't, I mean, there's no mystery about it. Right. I mean, they, they, they all are um, managing pay TV and streaming um, and again, as I said, they, you know, they they are very cognizant of the same same trends. And I see um, the progress they've made. And, and I remember in a similar conversation we've had when someone asked me if I thought Disney or any of these guys would be successful in streaming. And when I answered the question specifically for Disney, I said, well, they have the ability, they have the capital, they have the content. It's just a question of if Wall Street will reward them for making the investments and growing subscribers, which I think they have. And so you, and so I think you see um, everyone managing and shifting their business models towards the, the future. We just had a question come in on this exact topic. And I just want to follow up. So, you know, Paramount's obviously or CBS All Access has already been simulcasting. Does everybody else have to wait till the new deals kick in in 2023? Or is there the possibility that some of this stuff could actually happen sooner um, in terms of simulcasting? 
Yeah, without being specific on each partner, there's a possibility to do it sooner. Um, And uh, I think it's one of the advantages of which we thought about while we have shifted some packages around and we've changed some packages and the structures of the deal are different. We essentially have all of our incumbents back in. And so that allows us to be able to take advantage of some of these deal parameters earlier and not wait till 23 season, which is the first season of these new deals to kick in. So I think you'll see some of this stuff start earlier. I just wanted to follow up on a comment you made earlier about waiting to resolve um, the low latency. Is is there a another discrete revenue opportunity for the NFL around sports betting that you're waiting to resolve, or sports betting um, contemplated within the, this current set of deals? The sports betting, for the most part, has been held out of these deals and contemplated separately. So we have our own approach and strategy towards sports betting. Um, we we think, uh, and we've been very clear, we think we're a bit early in it. Um, our first focus is to make sure the integrity of the game is held up. So we spent a ton of time on education, a bunch of time on data feeds to make sure they're accurate. Um, and, you know, working on the integrity part of the game, because that's important. Second, you know, you see that it's rolling out state by state. And so most of our activity has been local or on a club level around sponsorships and other things. I think you'll see as it starts to scale and get into more and more states and become more of a national um, footprint, that's when the league can take advantage of it and actually do some more national type of business models, which I think we plan on doing in the future. It's also keep in mind that you know, we when we have 180 million fans, not all of them want to bet, and not all of them want to see betting content served up to them in a broadcast um, that is reaching 25 or 40 million people at the time. So, how we roll that out and how we customize that for betters versus non-betters becomes pretty important important for us. Um, I don't think you'll ever see in our games um, the majority of content uh, around betting. I think you'll see just enough. To, to scratch that itch for betters, but I don't think you'll be overwhelmed. I think you see some of these sports where it, it got a little heavy and you saw that in the UK a bit where they had to pull back. Um, we're very cognizant of that. So, so I think it's a whole other revenue stream of business we'll exploit separately. That does not mean at the exclusion of our broadcast partners. I think, um, I think they'll be involved and you see Fox, for example, making real bets and Fox bet and, and other places, they seem to be ahead of a lot of people. So um, I think it, it very well, uh, will involve our broadcast partners, but that's going to be developed separately. Okay. And somebody in the Q&A actually wrote this question, which is perfect. What will drive the if and when, when that wage, when that wagering happens? I know you meant you um, said that national acceptance, more states getting involved was one of the things. Is there anything else? Yeah, I think some of the some of the tech around low latency, as far as content distribution, has to be taken care of, right? Um, I think that that becomes important. Um, I think some of these business models have to mature a little bit. It's a little bit growing, and there's a bit of consolidation, and people are sort of, you know, you know, the dust is settling a bit. I think um, that we want to see. Um, so I think those things will come together. I don't think it's uh, the far too distant future. I think we're active now and will be, but I think you'll see a a pretty methodical, um, gradual rollout for us. 
Okay. So let's go to another favorite topic of mine, Sunday ticket as a Sunday ticket customer and dying to get off direct TV. Um, let's start with Pierre's question. Why didn't they negotiate Sunday ticket at the same time as all the other rights, given the contract is up before all the other Sunday packages that were renewed? Uh, I just think um, we've, we have viewed Sunday. Well, part of it is we can only do so much. Right. And, but, but second, we've always viewed uh, Sunday ticket a bit of a different negotiation because it's such a different product with different distribution, different business goals, different customer segment than our broadly distributed, widely consumed game packages. And so, and so it didn't really make sense to deal with them at the same time. I think some of the people who um, were bidding on the broader media rights packages will be interested in our out-of-market subscription product. So now that now that um, our main agreements are put to bed, I think we'll spend more time on that and, and, and look at Sunday Ticket. We again, that is a subscription-based product. We like that it's premium priced. We like that it's widely available, um, but we're not all that interested in making it super cheap. We think again, it's a premium product. We think it lends itself to digital in, in, in many ways, um, including the subscription nature of it. And so I think uh, we'll, at some point in the near future, we'll undergo a bit of a process and, and get out there with that package. We, well, we've that had plenty of interest to date. We just haven't really engaged much on it. Yeah, that kind of that's a that's kind of a half answer to what my next question was going to be, um, which was: uh, Does Sunday Ticket need to be a reach vehicle in a way that it wasn't possible before? And and said another way, this is from Ken: um, Is tying Sunday Ticket to the purchase of a full bundle of channels a must? But it sounds like, from what you just said, <laughs> that's probably not the case. Maybe it I is. Mean, I don't know. I don't think it's a must. I mean, I think if you think about the history of. Sunday ticket and it's gosh, way before my time, I think it was early nineties when we put it on a satellite platform and, and, and kept it there until today, satellite always made the most amount of sense because it was at the time, the best way to get full distribution and coverage in an efficient way that yep. um, still maintain a premium product. Now with the rollout of broadband in, in, in mobile and other technologies, you can still get that coverage. And so th that coverage and that reach and availability is important. We don't feel the need to make it a cheap product that everybody has it. In fact, we think it's a premium product that sits on top of our core distribution, and that's how we'd like to keep it. Um, now, whether that's tied to linear bundle or not, we'll see. We do think, again, back to my earlier comments, throughout the next 10 years, there still will be a fair amount of people on pay television. We want to make sure it's available to them. Um, and so how do, how do we do that in the most efficient way? It'll be important. Again, the availability of the product's important. So I think that all remains to be seen how that will be packaged. Um, but that's, that's the next conversation set of conversations we'll have. Not that I want to tip the scales in the negotiation or anything, but you know, direct TV does basically throw that in for free. So they're not really positioning it as a value prop product to their end consumer. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's more, I think that's more positioning more than anything. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, for years it was buy Sunday ticket and get a package direct TV program for free for a year. I think they've inverted the marketing on its head a bit, but the economics yeah. are all different, right? So um, yeah, we understand it, it, they're all going to be part of a promotional bundle in some shape or form, but it's much different than, you know, selling games a la carte for a dollar or, or some of the other models that we've seen out there, which we're not really interested in. Does it need to be exclusive or are you sort of less? I mean, I know that was sort of historically, that was a big part of getting the, the, the value that you wanted. Has that changed as well? 
I don't think it needs to be. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, again, that's a model that's worked well for us. Um, there's a lot of different ways to approach exclusivity in a deal like this. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, exclusive to one person. But again, I think once we get into it, we'll have a much better idea. And just to the extent, I mean, I know one of the things that you've talked a lot about historically is that sort of the reach of Sunday ticket, you know, I think it hit 2 million people probably were discreetly paying for it. As Walt said, a lot of people were getting it for free on top of that as promotions for a period of time. But I've always thought that the reach of Sunday ticket was, you know, below what it needed to, what it could have been because of the need for a satellite dish. It's obviously going to be bigger, assuming it does go to the digital partners you're talking about. I assume that's contemplated or whatever impact that has on the ratings of existing players that's contemplated in the deals that you just did, meaning there isn't a reset depending on who you sell it to. Look, we, we, we have been very clear with anyone who's interested in Sunday ticket or our current Sunday afternoon partners that what we do not want to do is create a Sunday ticket product that is cannibalistic to the core uh, media product in your local game. It's not interesting. We want it to be, incremental and premium. And that's our focus. And that's, and we'll find a partner who can, who can position that we have, we, in previous cycles, we have turned down more money for people who have wanted Sunday ticket with the idea of making it cheaper and making it cannibalistic to the core NFL experience. We're not really interested in that. So that we'll, we will maintain that philosophy through that. And if, if this comes at huge consumption uh, impact to our Sunday afternoon packages, we're not interested in it. You know, the simulcast deals that you've just cut, uh, some of them actually are, you know, if I look at the Paramount one, uh, at least on their low tier, they're not even including the affiliate. They're just offering it as part of Paramount Plus, which is obviously amazing for Paramount Plus, not so good for the affiliate. was wondering just how you thought about, like, obviously, Retrans has been a huge value creating driver for the NFL and the NFL owners and players. How did you balance, like... do you have any ability to dictate how they package the digital rights or that's really on them and you're not so worried about, you know, how they protect some of their legacy businesses? Look, I think they're, again, they are all dealing with their legacy businesses versus their new growth in different ways. Their conversation with station groups is all, all part of that. And that, that for the most part is their business, right? What we were what we were focused on is maintaining over-the-air distribution in the markets of local of, of teams, right? So even in our digital games, including Amazon, they will be over the air in the local markets. So over the air is still important to us. Now, how they manage their relationships and their economics as they move to streaming is kind of the network's business. And they all have slightly different approaches to it. But we wanted to make sure as they manage that that we weren't abandoning over the air in the local markets. And so you'll see that through through the deal. And how does Amazon pick their streaming partner or sorry, their broadcast partner? Do they like just draw it out of a hat each week and choose like who gets it? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I guess we'll, fi- we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Figure that shift out. to Verizon. They're, they're the paying weekly you, bidding war. <laughs> let's shift to Verizon. They're paying you a decent amount of money for the, um, for the mobile. Um, it feels like from the, the, what we're hearing from them, it's like it went from a Verizon wireless thing to more like a Yahoo branding and our big reach of Yahoo. Like what, first of all, how have they been as a partner? Is it the Yahoo brand or, and reach or is it the Verizon, you know, wireless reach? And, and how do you see those rights evolving? I think that's well, up next year. Yeah. Um, Verizon has been great. I mean, they've been our partner for a long time and 
both from a sponsorship and a content distribution. And if you actually look at it, we've evolved our model at least three times with them over the years, right? And it's really, we've shaped the rights uh, towards what businesses they're trying to drive. And that's, and, and, and we're trying to drive together. And that's very much been the spirit of, of, of the agreement. I mean, when we did the last deal, um, they had made their Yahoo acquisition and they had a, 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 an articulated content vision that I think now with the implement of 5G and other things they may be moving away from. So we, we'll, we'll continue to work with them to figure out what the best relationship is long-term. They've been great partners and I expect we'll be partners for some time with them. It's just the, the, the nature of the, of the relationship will be different. I think as far as mobile distribution of the games, the current mobile model we had um, which was really started in, in probably about 10 years ago was about uh, filling a hole in distribution that we thought was there. TV everywhere was in our view, um, to put it nicely, not very effective or well rolled out, which was the promise of TV everywhere is wherever you get this content you pay for, you get on every device that did not work I, out. I call it TV nowhere. That's your words, not mine, but they so, that's so, fixed, our, so that's not important anymore. Basically. <laughs> Well, our our I'm mobile model, anymore, our mobile model was a way to fill that hole, and which was it was incremental consumption. People are away from a big screen. The pay TV ecosystem was not delivering that, so we were going to fill the gap, and that's okay. what we did with our current mobile model to to we think a high level of success. Now that our new models are in place, and these um, our current partners have a much different view of digital where they're not necessarily relying on TV everywhere, the pay TV system to do it. We're probably going to look at our mobile model a little bit differently. Now what that looks like, we're, we're not sure, but we're in the, we're in the midst of figuring that out. Before we finish up, I just want to shift gears for one second because it's such a hot topic right now, which is digital collectibles and NFTs. Can you can you tell us how you're thinking about that? What the NFL strategy is going to be uh, around NFTs? Yeah, we're 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 figuring that out. We've been looking at this for a while. I think the recent press coverage and phenomenon is is, is interesting. It's still um, you know, whether you measure it by number of people participating in this market or dollar volume, it's still relatively small, although it gets a disproportionate amount of press. I do think um, blockchain technology in general uh, and is very interesting to us and the NFTs specifically. I think we're looking at it. Um, there are real applications in, in, in the collectible market, which has been a market where you know, you, you're part of the primary sale, but there's a whole secondary market which dwarfs the primary market, which intellectual property holders have not had a chance to participate in. Participate in that is very interesting to us. We think there's huge opportunities in ticketing, um, same sort of um, model where there's a huge yeah, secondary that's market. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. Which we participate in some, but not fully. I think the ticketing model is something we're looking strong at. Um, and other things. So I, I think there's 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 fan engagement and season ticket holder engagement opportunities for our clubs using NFTs. And so we we've got we've had a whole working group for some time looking at this. And um, the inbounds on this, you can imagine, have spiked in the last four weeks as it's become front page story. I think at some point when the hype you know re is redu reduced a little bit, and you start looking at this as how is this scalable into a, a larger market? I think we'll be playing there in, in certain ways. 
we just want to know when we can buy the Brian Rolap NFT. I mean, that's really the collectible that we're all looking for. So well, I better sell it in the next two weeks before, you know, the market dries up. But, but um, one of the questions we got, you know, a bunch of people were asking about is, you know, look, consolidation has been happening. I mean, obviously, you, you've seen everything that we've seen over the last decade. Uh, we never thought Fox would look like it looks right now, but it feels like there's still more to come. And so I guess the question is, how protected is the NFL if Viacom or Fox cease to be standalone companies over that 11 year period? I assume your deals contemplate change of ownership, just given what's been happening over the last five years. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I won't get into the specific contractual parameters. We've always protected ourselves for decades in situations like that when we know who we're contracting with. We want to make sure we're in business with the people we're contracting with. And so we, I think we'll have flexibility. But I, I think more importantly, um, we believe the companies who we've done a deal with are are during the deal term are set up to deal with it, right? And um, I think no one, I guess five years ago, 10 years ago, no one thought Fox would look the way they look, but we also think Fox isn't done. We think Fox has lots of plans and things that we're excited about. And we wouldn't have done a deal if we didn't think they were the right partner. We're very bullish on Fox. I think the same with all of our other partners. Um, and the, the the changes they've made in the last uh, investments they've made in the last three years and move they made has given us confidence. Um, and so, again, we've protected ourselves in this deal where we need to. But um, it, it, at the end of the day, we think uh, these guys have a shot of doing great things. And so we're prepared to, to to be partners with them for the term. And then maybe just the last piece on um, Red Zone. You know, where does Red Zone and the NFL Network sort of fit into this whole? I mean, I know you oversee both of them. Uh, is this, do they look the same coming out of this? Like, how does that play out? It, you know, it's sort of, we move into this more digital world. Yeah. I think we're, look, we're, we're still bullish and excited about the NFL network. It, 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 it got overlooked in all of this where we will still maintain seven games on the NFL network with the ability to put more on. We think the red zone channel has been extremely successful in the pay TV environment. We're interested in migrating both of those services into a digital realm, right? And and we've got plans to do that. Um, we we all we we still believe that uh, these products lend themselves well to digital as well as pay TV. And so I think you'll see us go to work on that in the next uh, in in the near future as well. So that we, we do have plans. We've always liked the idea of having our own outlet to experiment. Um, there would be no Thursday night football without the NFL network. The NFL network was contemplated to start to build this package, to create this package. We started in 2006. We migrated it slowly into its present form. We will continue the same with the combine. Um, it's extra reach for the draft, which has become uh, one of the biggest events we have that without the NFL network, I don't think would have become the event it's become for different reasons. And so we still plan on using that asset for those reasons. We think we need to evolve it and strengthen it. And we're working on ways to do that. On Red Zone, was there a pushback from any of the new partners? Because it seems like that could cannibalize what viewing would be on some of these other uh, games. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a discussion with our partners, right? And, and the product is good, and and um, our our view on on Red Zone is the same with Sunday Ticket. It is designed, distributed, and priced to be incremental consumption. And everyone you talk to will say it's not; it's cannibalistic. But when you actually look at the distribution and the viewership. The viewership hovers around one million viewers on a Sunday, and it hasn't changed. Okay. So, so on. Yeah, so, so like you watch on one o'clock window, we might have ten million, and four twenty-five window, we may have twenty million. But red zones at one million, 
and it always been there. But but because the people who have it love it, they <laughs> right. assume there's Meaning another Walt. Yeah. Well, no, so, I don't fuck that. I don't use red zone. I like to watch my Eagles games all the way through and then whoever their NFC game is on for non giants games. Because it's, uh, because it's so good. People assume, well, no one's watching. And it's just the, just the data does not hold that up. And so it's interesting. Continue yeah. to make that an incremental uh, premium problem. You know, I, I can't help but think that there's going to have to be like an NFL education campaign almost to educate viewers on all the OTT options. Like you're going to almost need to help explain people like because the games are going to be in so many new places that it is going to be sort of on you to sort of I mean, your partners, too. But I also think the NFL is probably helping educate people on where they can find all of this content, especially as sort of as court cutting picks up. It does feel like, you know, sort of an education campaign is going to be critical with every game ultimately available somewhere digitally. Yeah, it's one thing we talked a lot about with our partners where um, that's one thing is we continue to build out our de- digital presence we will do. I think, you know, the, the NFL connected TV app and the NFL app will, will, will essentially be a gateway to get people to their games. And so think about it. If, yeah. if you're not sure where it is, you know that shield could break through the clutter in, in a digital environment. So you can always go there and we'll get you to the right place. Um, so we're working on ways to do that. I think we're also depending a lot on our partners. Um, we always have to educate, um, educate, uh, the fan base. The, the good thing about our model is we've never been in business with just one person or two people. We've always had multiple rights holders. And the advantage of that is you get essentially loud roadblock of marketing voices out there yep. pushing NFL football all the time. And so, um, they have their own unique package. And so they'll have every incentive in the world to, to tell the world about it. And so that's, that's we'll rely quite a bit on them as well. Brian, you've been incredibly generous with your time. I know you've had a slightly busy last few weeks getting this all done and telling the whole world about what you did. But thank you for joining Lightshed Live. It was great to have you. And uh, we look forward to seeing how these deals, hopefully even some of them start to kick in a little bit early with some digital stuff uh, in the fall. All right. Well, it's always good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. And Can't hopefully the, the Giants will do better than the Eagles this year. That's, well, I think we were the determining factor close. there. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> All right, that's guys. Fine. Let's see you. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.